welcome to another edition of the IDCA to Infinity Paradigm and Beyond podcast, where we will bring in the most recognized faces and thought leaders of the technology industry and have candid discussions on topics pertaining to digital transformation, cloud, data centers, infrastructure, and IT leadership. On today's podcast, I'd like to welcome Jay Farrow, CIO at QuickRead. Jay has a long history with several CIO uh, level roles in the technology space, and I'd like to thank him for joining us today. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Can you give us uh, the audience, uh, you know, your your thirty second uh, um, update on what you're working on these days? Absolutely, I am. Uh, I'm excited to be the CIO for Quickrete. We're the largest manufacturer of concrete and cement products in North America, and you know, it's not an industry that screams digital transformation right out of the gate. But I think you know as well as I do that every, I think every industry is ripe for transformation uh, at, on some level. Yeah, no, I would totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, we hinted at that at the, in the, before we started the program, but um, uh, I, don't, I don't think that any company is exempt from the opportunity to create a platform for itself for how it um, works more effectively with others, both internal and external, from customers to partners to even potentially competitors. So I agree with you 100%. It's, uh, you know, it's interesting. And then I, I told folks I was joining the organization and the first thought was, man, cement and concrete and all of these other products that Quickrete does. And, and it goes straight to your point that I, I think any industry is ripe for a platform. I, I think there's opportunity in any industry. And you, you've been part of a number of digital transformations. I have, too, in prior lives at AIG, the, you know, the American Cancer Society, Earthlink and a number of other companies. And yep. If it's one thing I've learned, it's that every industry and every every organization, uh, there's opportunity. And so yeah, I, I'm trying to apply that here. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to, to diving into that discussion a little bit more about the best way to to actually identify, you know, what that future could look like. And um, and, you know, help, helping to make helping the business part of the organization understand uh, how to create the right target for IT to follow. Right. And I right. think that's I think that's outstanding. So before we get into the rest of the technical discussion, tell us a little bit about what Jay likes to do on the weekend or when he's not uh, um, doing CIO stuff. Well, you know, I have three sons. I have, uh, I'm a widower. I lost my wife to cancer in 2007. And I think a lot of people who know me know that. So I'm a single dad and uh, we've been on our own for about 12 years. And so they keep me hopping. I have a junior at the University of Georgia. I have a rising Freshman in college, who's uh, currently about to graduate in May, um, Connor, my oldest wow. is Trey. And then my quote unquote little guy, who is not little at all, is 15 <laughs> and is a sophomore. So wow. th- they keep me hopping. We like to travel. We like to eat, uh, being a household of men. Uh, if there's a sport, we've played it. So a lot of testosterone, a lot of food. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that keeps me busy. Nice. No kidding. No kidding. That's... Um... That is a lot of work, though. But uh, congratulations on the on the on the three boys. Oh, thank you, thank you. So, you know, in in talking about um, digital transformation, we even had this conversation before the program started about the idea that um, there are a huge number of themes that you could go into in in any major trend or topic area in the IT space. And you know, at the at the highest level. There's the theme of, uh, you know, is digital transformation really business transformation or is it digital transformation? And, and I think knowing you, I would I would say that um, digital transformation is the byproduct of business transformation. Right. 
I would agree. And, and because, you know, I mean, for, for the layman, the folks that don't know that much about the idea of business transformation, about the idea of turning your business into a platform or, or something akin to that, um, it, it, it seems odd to talk about digital transformation. It's like, what, aren't you guys using printers? Don't you have um, PCs at your desk? Isn't your office networked? Um, don't you have a major ERP system in a data center somewhere? How could you possibly not be digital, right? Right. And, and I think that kind of opens the discussion up for us on, on why, um, you know, technology uh, independent of the business is, is less than everything by a long shot, right? So, um, you know, let's, let's take Jay up to 30,000 feet and, and he's able to wave a magic wand down on uh, QuickRate. You know, how do you, how do you help the business identify what that target is? You know, what are you looking for? What are the things that, that the business could be doing differently that would allow them to not only use more technology, but use the technology they have more effectively? That's a, it's a terrific question. And, and I'm a big believer, and I know you agree with this. I'm a big believer in setting aspirational targets, setting North Stars, thinking big, starting small, and then scaling fast. I, I think a lot of CIOs get into trouble when they walk into an organization in the first 90, 120 days, and they start spouting off at the mouth with big, giant visions when they, on, a, on a one to 10, the organization maturity level is probably a one or a two maybe at the 25th or 30th percentile, and they are just immediately laying down, laying it on thick fur to achieve a nine or 10. I have no problem with kind of painting that, that vision for the organization. But for, for an organization that's a little earlier on in the journey, I think it starts, there, there's another aspect of it, a digitization and a power of technology and a credibility aspect. So a big part of my job right now is even showing the organization on a day-to-day -day basis the art of the possible, while at the same time using that, that success, those quick wins that you're building, to set the stage um, for what the future could hold. Because, you, you know, CIOs get in, you're the new guy. On one hand, you're anointed the, the savior of the organization because there's usually a reason you're there, uh, and it's usually not the prior guy did a great job. Uh, in many cases, there wasn't a CIO, or maybe if there was, he or she retired or moved on and, and you're there to maybe take the organization to the next level. Um, you know, for me here, uh, the organization has grown very, very quickly. IT in, in many ways is thought of still in parts of the organization, given the, the nature of what we do as a service or as a, as a utility. However, I will say that more and more folks are beginning to realize that in order to compete in the market, in order to, to continue to retain our customers, we have an opportunity uh, to deliver our products and service in a more seamless, intelligent way, right? Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of that starts with the fundamentals uh, in the back office. I, I don't know anybody who's ever been successful building a platform for external attracting and retaining customers when their back office is still 100% paper or 80% paper and people are still walking around with Manila envelopes and signing them left and right, you know, uh, using routing, internal routing. Right. So right. You, you, you have to you have to do both. So yeah, th yeah. that's that's the approach I'm taking primarily. Well, you know, I want to um, pull one of I mean, you made a lot of great points and I want to pull one of them out and, and talk about that a little bit. Um, and that's the, the notion of um, 
uh, although you didn't specifically say building trust, um, I'm taking from a part of what you described there as, as kind of building trust, right? In order for you to convince somebody that um, uh, you can do brain surgery on them, it's probably a good idea for them to know that you've got some prior surgical experience. Um, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Right. Put it. And, and it. so I think what you're saying is, is right on in the sense that you don't want to go in. Uh, well, I agree that many of us would love to go in and paint this grand picture and, and begin to move all the pieces right away um, uh, uh, without knowing whether we're working on a flat earth or a round one and um, whether the pieces are going to fall off or fall apart. Um, I think your approach is, is right on. And, and that's building trust and helping the organization understand that IT can follow through, IT can deliver. And then using that trust to catapult into, you know, more aggressive um, change, both in culture and in technology utilization, right? Oh, I think you nailed it. I, I think you absolutely nailed it. It's it, it, well said. You know, it's, and also when you're, when you're a, a brand new CIO in an organization, and even if you've done it before, you've never done it here. And yes, the fundamentals, I think, of being in our role um, are easily transferable. I, I've yet to be in an organization where, a majority of what we do isn't isn't transferable. IT is IT is IT in many in many organizations. That said, you know when you're in a brand new industry, there's a lot of listening that has to take place, and and, and partly because you literally don't know the industry and you're learning the players, you're learning the corporate culture, the nuances, how things get done, where the bodies are buried, so to speak. Yep. Uh, but also partially because, look, people want to be heard. They want to look at you and say, you're this brand new guy. And if you come in and just start barking orders and go, hey, don't worry your pretty little head about it. I've done this before. You're going to yep. burn bridges right out of the gate. And, and so right. a lot right. of that listening and trust building happens right out of the, you know, right, right from the get go. And along with that comes the credibility of removing, you know, thorns from paws and quick wins and, and all of those things, to your point, building trust right out of the gate. Right. Right. No, I think that's, I think that's excellent. And, you know, and I'm going to just steal from what you just said again and, and um, uh, maybe add to it and then add, ask for you to expand on it. But, you know, you mentioned culture a couple of times and, um, uh, and the ability to, to get, you know, people's heads wrapped around a new idea. And I want to, mm -hmm. so I want to break down culture a little bit and, 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 uh, you know, is there, is there kind of a, a method to the madness for, you know, Jay Farrell when he comes in? I mean, because I've done some things, you know, in, in, in my past, and if, you know, I've had uh, success for the most part, but, you know, I've come in with the, the, the notion of, um, you know, you don't, you, I don't have to um, uh, have uh, trust you or you don't have to build trust with me first. I'm the new guy. I have to build trust with you first. Right. You have right. to as 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 my customers or as my my new team, um, I have to get you to trust me because I'm the new guy. And, um, you know, giving a little background on Mark um, helps me not only uh, uh, become human to the new team, but also, um, you know, let them know that I'm there as part of the team. I'm not there as some um, new reigning prince or king that's there to tell them all the stuff they've been doing wrong and why they all suck and why I can make <laughs> them better. Right. Um, no, I, I think that's right on. 
right? I mean, and I made that mistake once. And luckily, <clears> I had somebody come up and, 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 um, and tell me how stupid I was. Um, and I've never uh, forgotten her in a positive sense. Uh, this was like 20 plus years ago while I was still at HP, 25 years ago almost. Somebody came up to me after a big meeting and said, uh, basically spelled out to me how, how ridiculous what I said was and how terrible it, it felt as a listener to how I expressed it. And I learned a hard lesson that day and um, have done it differently ever since. So, you know, for you, what are some of the things you did initially from a people culture standpoint to both learn what you had, right? Because knowing what you have in, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but from my perspective, knowing what you have helps you to determine, you know, where and how can I move forward? Um, what assumptions can I make about, you know, leveraging certain technologies or moving at speed or whatever, along with, um, you know, how do I ascertain the, the, the existing culture of fear or, or hesitation or reward systems, et cetera? No, I, 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 think, I, I think we've all learned those, those hard lessons like, like you did, and those are the best ones to learn, and they've shaped generally my approach. And I, and I think we, there's a balance to strike when you're new, right? You, you want to be accepted. You want them to know that you're human. You, you, you want them to know that you're listening, but you also want to show them that you're a new voice and that you're just not going to get sucked down into the maybe the culture where they feel, well, it's just going to be the same old ham and eggs. This guy is just going to kind of get sucked into the, <clears throat> you know, to the quicksand, no pun intended. And yep. and it's going to be the same old the same old IT. Right. right. So you right. have to find a way to show the team and show the organization that you are listening that you do want to be here and not just, Hey, I'm showing up. And like you said, telling you guys how stupid you are because they're not, right. but also that I am, look, I'm here. I'm part of the team. I'm excited. I'm a quick creep man, or I'm an XYZ corporation man, but I'm also here for a reason and I have a job to do. Right. right. So right. I'm willing to make the tough choices that I need to for somebody that's in my role. And yeah. so right out of the gate, it's, I, I, you try to take the Hippocratic oath first, do no harm, right? Yep. You don't want to come in and may ne make knee jerk reactions because generally there's context. Uh, there's context to decisions that were made. Now I will say this, there's an expiration date on history lessons to me, right? When yep. you join as a new CIO or an executive, you can only take, well, we did that because dot, dot, dot for so long before you say, you know what? I'm not here to judge. Yeah. We're here to to move forward. I, right. the, the history lesson is interesting, but I think there's a declining curve on the knowledge that you're going to be gain that you're going to be gaining from those history lessons after 90, 120, 150 days or whatever. Where now you're hearing recurring themes. I think right. as seasoned executives, you hear recurring themes right out of the gate. So, you know, to build trust with IT, to let them know that you're you're here to help, you're here to support them. Uh, get involved with the organization. I mean, every, co every company has norms and events and a way of doing things. Here, for example, you know, it's an older school company where there's a lot of terrific traditions like celebrating birthdays. And not a lot of companies do that, but they make it a very big deal once a month yep. to celebrate birthdays, celebrate company anniversaries. I show up at everything. I've shown up at nice. retirement people that I've never worked for and worked with, yep. you know. Um, I bring food to potlucks. I all of those things where, a first of all, first of all, I really enjoy them. 
because I enjoy yeah. people. But B, you know, yeah, you want to demonstrate that, no, I'm just not going to disappear at five o'clock or six o'clock and I'm just a nameplate on the wall. I'm, I'm here. I'm here to get involved. I'm, I'm here to to be part of this this company. So I think that really helps. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and yeah. a lot of it and you and I, I know you and I see it eye to eye on here. CIOs or IT leaders have to get up, get their butts out of their chair, walk around, talk, shake hands, look people in the eye, talk sports, find some common ground that has nothing to do with technology or digital transformation or project timelines and just connect on a human level. Because when you do want to sit down and have a conversation, it's a whole lot easier to do it when you have that, that foundation, that context. So, I mean, I I work with a number of guys here in our operations center that, that went to my school. They're big Georgia Bulldog fans. And, you know, right out of the gate, you walk into their office and you see a mug or you see a banner or something like that. Immediately, there's a connection, but you try to right. find that with, you know, with a lot of people. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, <clears throat> look, and, and, and when you do find opportunities to make a change out of the gate, and that might be in people process technology or to shake something loose, you have to seize it. Because yeah. I think a lot of people will just fall into analysis paralysis. They'll look up six months have gone and they're like, what has that guy really done other than attend a lot of meetings and produce status reports that really you know, don't really show much progress. Yeah. So yeah. when you are, yeah, you, you've got to be able to, to make some of those quick decisions out of the gate too. Yeah, no, I mean, it's gosh, uh, I'm struggling at the moment, not because I um, don't have something to ask, but because I'm trying to pick up the many points that you've made in the, in the last <laughs> answer, uh, you know, uh, because uh, thinking about uh, like the first one that came to mind um, is about, um, pulling away from, uh, although you didn't specifically say it, you, you hinted at it, uh, just being able to pull away from the fire and, and be able to look at the organization anew, right? And, and to right. be able to make change without, um, uh, as you say, getting sucked into same as it ever was, right? To, to right. take the quote from the talking heads. Um, and the other, the other piece um, uh, was, Really, uh, you know, I mean, again, there were several, but the other one that I that I glommed onto is the management by walking around, right? MBWA, which is um, uh, I I cannot speaking to you, but then speaking to the audience as well, I cannot overemphasize the importance of. Uh, in fact, we even had this discussion recently. I think you might have been a part of it, um, uh, where we're both, we're, you know, both of us were in the same discussion about uh, things like MBWA and about the traditional one-on-one and, and how right. I think most, or maybe I shouldn't say most, maybe I shouldn't condemn so many people, but uh, many leaders and managers make the mistake of using one-on-ones uh, for nothing more than what could be accomplished with an email exchange or an update on SharePoint or something like that. And, um, and that's just, just not valuable, right? It, it is just not a good use of your time. And by MBWA, doing the things you were just talking about, um, and having those personal conversations, not only do you learn things about the organization, both inside and outside of IT that you otherwise wouldn't have learned, but you create that comfort level with people that you work with that allow them to share things with you that they would otherwise never share. Because That's right. if, I, you know, if I work for Jay Farrow and I'm slightly intimidated by the C-level tag that's associated with, with his name, uh, and I'm a sysadmin or a storage admin or network engineer or something like that, or even a line manager who occasionally gets a chance to have a one-on-one with you once a month, whatever it is, I'm likely going to be very worried about 
making sure that Jay knows everything I accomplished from the last time we talked, <laughs> right. right? And, and I'm going to go in and I'm going to be nervous and I'm going to show you all the stuff I did. And I'm going to hope Jay doesn't find something wrong with what I've updated, or I didn't miss something he finds important. And then I'm going to walk away and, and nowhere in that conversation is going to be that osmosis learning opportunity for you and that person that I think is the most valuable part of that transaction. Right. So huge believer in that. And then, um, you know, the talking about the MBWA thing and, and pulling away from firefighting, you know, let's, we, we, we've, all of what we're talking about relates back to the ability and the, and the opportunity associated with doing digital transformation. Right. But, you know, give me your two cents uh, without me trying to give my answer first. Give me your two cents on, um, on the importance of being able to, as an organization, to step above what is the regular noise in your email inbox and in your Slack channel and everything else. Uh, in order to make the kind of change that uh, a business transformation and digital transformation require? Wow, it, it, it's, a, it's a terrific question. Like, I, I think you and I both agree, it, it all starts with trust and a safety and a transparency, right? Yeah. To, to, yeah. If, <clears throat> to me, when I join an organization, I want my team, and I want everybody in the organization, when I say my team, I certainly just mean I don't just mean IT. I mean the larger organization to recognize that I have an open door. I had one gentleman test me on this at a former company. He, he literally, I mean, I said open door so many times that he, <clears throat> I think we named my newsletter, Jay's open door or something. Nice. I literally, I mean, there's a, there was a newsletter and it was a, a monthly kind of thing from me just about what I thought was going on in the industry because we had a highly distributed IT team and, Yep. You know, we did. It was a, a, a multi-pronged communication plan, but part of it was just this this kind of opinion thing that I did once a month, which was kind of fun to do. Yep. And we yep. eventually morphed it into, you know, webcasts and all that stuff. But anyway, so there's this guy standing at my door. I look up, you know, and this guy's in my doorway. And I said, and I had never seen this individual before. And I said, can I help you? And he goes, um, I'm so-and-so. And I recognized the name. And I said, oh, Oklahoma City. Nice. He goes, yeah. And he goes, I said, yeah, I recognize your name. What you doing in town? He's like, oh, I'm here for the blah, blah, blah. I said, that's great. I said, what can I do for you? He goes, well, you said you always had an open door. And I said, I did. <laughs> and he goes, I don't, I'm not sure I believed you. And now I really don't have anything to say. <laughs> and, uh, I go, so, you so I started laughing. I go, you were testing me. And he goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, is that a bad thing to say? I go, yeah, you're fired. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't that. And, and I said, <clears throat> so he, he sat down. I said, come on. And we, we talked for 30 minutes. And, you know, I got to know him. And five years later, we still laughed about that story. He became one of my most, most valuable developers. Uh, and, you know, we built a really solid relationship. But getting back to your, getting back to your question, yep, yep. it's showing the organization that you're open-minded, that there are no wrong answers, there may be some things that are not possible or feasible, but no idea is bad that you're willing to listen to disparate and diverse opinions yep. and that they feel safe talk, calling each other out in a professional way. To me, the fundamentals of digital transformation all start with people. And yeah, you and I, yeah, heard, yeah. you've heard me say this before. It's people, process, yep. technology in that order. It's yep. always in that order. And so for digital transformation to be successful, when you and I are having these really advanced discussions about platforms and about cloud and about multi-cloud, 
hybrid cloud and all of these other things, orchestration layers, that's all fun stuff. We love it. Yep. It's all I've ever done in my career. I'm a lifelong IT guy. But without people and without the Kool-Aid and without them believing that I have their back and they have my back and without all of us rallied together, all of that will fail miserably. Because yeah, when I need yeah. somebody to go above and beyond, when I need the truth, when I need someone to, to give me 10% more, when I need someone to, you know, to, to pull the, 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 the team together and when times get tough, you know, you rely then on, on human connection. And when they right. feel they can come to you and say, you know what, Jay's open-minded. He's going to listen to this, even when it means calling me out. Right. Which, by the right. way, I want, I want people to do and say, Jay, I've got some concerns about the direction and here's what they are. Yep. My only challenge with that is always feel free to come in and tell me if, if you have a differing opinion, but come with ideas. Don't just point out what's wrong. Come with two or three options yeah. And, yeah. and say, this is wrong. And here's why I think this. And here's what I think we could probably do instead. So to me, that's that's a big part of, of uh, my my philosophy on on how we step outside ourselves, because yeah. I want people to feel safe, you know, and I, and I want them to say, look, I've read about this, too. I'm, I'm a smart guy. I'm a lifetime engineer or whatever. I've got ideas. Yep. Um, part of it is a more fundamental, basic stuff, getting them off site, um, you know, bringing in third parties who maybe have done it before, challenging them. Uh, maybe getting other CIOs, maybe, you know, sending them articles, podcasts, et cetera, um, you know, like yours, et cetera, and say, hey, listen to Mark talk about this. You, you don't know him. I do. He's got some really neat ideas. Listen to his podcast and come back to me with two or three things that we can take away. Um, just challenging them. And when they realize they can raise their hand and not have it blown off. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> we've all been part of companies where, uh, uh, Mr. You know, Mr. Farrow, I have an idea. Bam! Oh, okay, never yep. mind. Yep. So. Yep. No, I. It's funny. I um. I learned uh, two things. Uh, one very positive um, from my long period at HP, and and one that was relatively negative um, uh, during the same time. And it's and it's funny because they're so related. Um, I was in a meeting with the um, the staff uh, and the CIO, and the pretty large organization about. Um, 450, maybe 500 IT people, and I represented one of about um, 10 direct reports to the CIO at the time, and I'm not going to name names, but um, my boss was also in the room. I didn't, uh, even though I was reporting to the CIO, I, I was not a direct line report to the CIO at the time. I was still a relatively junior, probably the equivalent of a, of a new director-ish type thing from a scale and scope standpoint. Anyway, we're in, we're in this meeting, and it's... Um, uh, you know, sort of uh, middle of the second half of the 90s, so somewhere around 96, maybe 97, and um, and we're talking about bleeding people. And everybody kept talking about, nobody talked about why we were bleeding people. Everybody talked about what we could do to hire more people quickly. And so I, I stupid, ignorant Mark, um, just raised his hand and said, uh, aren't we kind of missing the point? Wouldn't it be better to <laughs> fix the bucket instead of finding ways to put more water in it all the time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And, Truth to um, power, baby. Truth to oh, power. Oh, man. And, and I just got shot down by the CIO. And, uh, and, you know, so he was pissed and I was pissed because he shot me down in public. And of course he was pissed because I embarrassed him in public. Um, and then I still wasn't in the mood to talk to him or, or be anywhere near him, but my office had to walk right by his every time I went to anywhere else in the building. So about an hour later, I'm walking by his office and he says, Hey, Mark, come in here for a second. I'm going, Oh shit. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Um, and he goes, um, so what you were saying in there? Um, do you really think that we could save some of our people? And one of the people in question, um, I won't give her last name. She works at VMware now. She's a fantastic gal. Uh, her first name was Anisha. Uh, still relatively young engineer at the time. And, um, and I said, she, he said, do you think we could save Anisha if we talked to her? And I said, I, I can't guarantee that we can save her. But what I can tell you is that we're not going to learn why she left and we're not going to have a chance of saving her if we don't give it a shot. And oh, wow. sure enough, that afternoon, he talked to her and she stayed. And she stayed on with Agilent after HP and Agilent split for another few years. So here we are, you know, managed to keep um, someone who I believe is, you know, would always be in the top 10 of any organization. Um, and uh, for another five or six years in the company uh, that would have just walked out the door without a second thought. Um, if somebody hadn't even tried, right? And and, um, and, and, and that is a perfect example yeah. of when people stop becoming lines on a spreadsheet right. and become human beings. Right, right. Right, I mean, we all, yeah. we've all seen the human resource reports or the Harvard Business Review reports or, or whatever that talk about the number one people, uh, the number one reason people leave an organization is because of who they work for. Yep. And that might mean direct line or that might mean on up the food chain, but it always comes down to leadership or some aspect of leadership. Yeah. And yeah. when, you know, I, look, I always remember, you know, my mentors, whether they were you know, the CIO and I reported directly to them on up to the CEO or even when I early, when I was much earlier in my career, when I got that five, 10 minutes and usually I showed my rear end more than more often than I didn't, um, because I would, you know, when you're in your 20s, you you tend to see things black and white versus gray. I was lucky enough to have enough people to put me in my place in a professional way that I learned very, very quickly. Yep. Uh, but I also learned the power of the human connection when guys or, you know, when I say guys in the gender neutral sense. But when, you know, when leaders look you in the eye and are, are present, how much that means to you, because there are I'm sure you could name three or four people that you've worked for in your career that you would follow into the breach. Right. right. Even though you are a leader now and people might, follow, you know, would likely follow you into the breach. And, and you know, but I'll, I'll never forget one of them was the CIO of at, at AIG, you know, of a very large division. And I, I'm yep. happy to take his name in vain. He's retired now, but his name's Mike Long. And Mike, I haven't worked for Mike since 2007, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, to this day, I still can, I still call him boss. Yeah, uh, yeah, we only see each other on Facebook or on the off chance he makes it to Atlanta or I make it to wherever he is. And um, still fundamentally one of the best guys I've ever I mean, just one of the best guys I've ever worked for. And I don't right. know that he ever appreciated how much I watched him later yeah. in life. I've, I've had the opportunity to tell him. But the way he treated me with respect and your example is a perfect example of that, where she felt valued. Yep. The CIO had a conversation and felt valued. 
that right. person will follow you into the breach. And when you do need ideas and they feel safe, they're, they're going to step up to the plate for you. Right. Right. No, absolutely. And, and, and like you said, I only have a few um, leaders in my history where, um, uh, you know, I would happily work with them again. Um, That's right. And, and do almost anything. And, and one of them was uh, a gentleman by the name of Scott Anderson, who still works at HP to this day. Um, but he was my boss for most of my time at HP proper because I, and I say HP proper because I split my time between a company that was acquired by HP and mm -hmm. another nine years at HP uh, after the acquisition. And during that probably eight out of those nine years, I worked directly for him. And, you know, in fact, I use a quote from him. Um, of, uh, well, first of all, he was a big fan of MBWA, which is a, a, an old Bill and Dave um, uh, 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 process. Um, and if you ever look at uh, their book, uh, Bill and Dave's book, Bill and Dave, Bill, Bill uh, Hewlett and Dave Packard's book. Of course. Um, yeah. Then, you know, MBWA is featured uh, heavily in there. Um, uh, very much, you know, open door policy kind of guy uh, and, and lived it. Um, but... Uh, one of the most important things he ever said to me for my career there, and I think um, as, a, as a value add to the organization, was I was basically working myself out of a job and I trusted him well enough to say, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to be doing next. I'm kind of making this job kind of go away. And he goes, well, you work yourself out of a job, I'll find you a better one. Wow. Yeah. And that's what I did for the next nine years. I, I, I moved into ever more senior jobs on a, on a clip of about every, 15 to 18 months and, um, uh, you know, got rid of, of, of process and functions that were unnecessary and, 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 and using his principle, I did the same thing with the people that were working for me. See, right? I mean, I, I had to, I had to, I was told to centralize and then outsource the help desk function, but because of the training work and, and, and integration efforts we'd done with the help desk staff, a group of about 15 to 20 people, I was able to uh, immediately get all of them jobs in the larger organization. Not a single person had to leave the company. And, um, you know, so the, uh, those things are very, very powerful. And, and they give you, as you've already pointed out, they give you, the leader, so much more, um, not only energy, but, but real um, gas to make change in an organization um, that would otherwise be like trying to work through quicksand. Uh, oh, I absolutely agree. I, I think yeah. you're spot on. So look, no digital transformation is easy. And you and I could, I, I know you well enough to know that you and I could sit in a room and, and talk about bits and bytes and boxes and wires and cloud and everything else and edge computing. And I, I get as energized about that as the next person. But when you're trying to put in fundamental change or introduce new business models to an organization with a strong digital component, you know you need resiliency. You know you need open-minded people. You yep. know you need yep. people with no pride of ownership. They, they want to own. The, in other words, they bleed the company. But if that means, to your point, they work themselves out of a job, they have to look at you and go, I trust you. You've got my back. I know That's that right. you know, we're either digitizing or fundamentally transforming a function that will likely mean I'm, I'm out of a, my, a job in my current role, yep. that I have your back. And, yep. and that, that is powerful stuff. And that is as much, and again, as much as I love the technology and I do, and you and I both participate in enough tweet chats 
We both know what we're talking about and we understand all of those things. The leadership component of transformation, digital or not, is yep. my by far my favorite part of what we do. By far. Yeah. I, I yeah. love taking people who are cynical, who I, I was told were a lost cause that, you know, and now often this is, you know, sometimes this doesn't happen. Sometimes yep. the bus leaves and, and they, they refuse to get on, even though they've had a chance or two. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, because we're we're paid to make tough decisions, but the bus or the train is leaving the station one time. Yep. And yep. you know, if you can't change people, you have to change people. Right. That said, I love taking people and fun meeting folks and watching people find a gear that they never even knew they had. And it's yeah. not because Jay Farrow is magic or whatever. Often it's because you listen to them and you trust them and you look at them and you say, "I know you've got this. Keep me informed." Yep. And yeah. I'm here whenever you want to meet and yeah. uh, go forth. <laughs> no, and I, I totally agree. And uh, I'm going <clears> to <throat> uh, just say one more thing and then I'm going to get us to do a quick wrap up um, on the you discussion. But, um, you know, my wife loves to use analogies of, um, of uh, you know, caring for plants and how that relates to humans. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I, what I'm taking, uh, one of the things I'm taking from what you just uh, said was that, you know, the, the, a leader isn't responsible for whether an employee can feel good about their job or be motivated. A leader, like a gardener, is responsible for ensuring that the plant, the human, has everything they need to grow, to be the best they can be or want to be in that organization. But their motivation and everything else comes from them, right? And so our, our opportunity is really, how do we get, you know, pardon my French, but how do we get the F out of the way? And how do we, as you also pointed out earlier, how do we let them know that whether they fall off the bleachers or fall backwards from the floor, that there's always going to be four or five people there catching them when they fall. That's right. um, and and how, do we, how do we better enable the organization by doing that? And, and, and then everything else happens from the employee. You know, sometimes leaders take too much credit for thinking, I believe they take too much credit for thinking they can motivate. Well, yeah, a, 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 a buggy driver can motivate his horse by whipping. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. But I'm that's sure the true. horse doesn't go home saying, boy, my boss is really motivating. Um, you know, no, it, he's like, my ass hurts is what he's yeah, going to say, exactly. <laughs> you know, is what he's going to, what he's going to say. And, and I agree yeah. with you a hundred percent. I'm a big believer in servant leadership. You know, I, my, yeah. one of my yeah. role models is my father always has been, he's a, he's was and is uh, uh, my hero. And, and he modeled the aspects of servant leadership. I don't know that, you know, early in his career, he even knew what those two words meant when put together, right. but right. just the way he conducted himself as a senior executive, he always put his team and his organization first Yet he was a strong leader. People hear servant leadership and they maybe think soft uh, incorrectly. No, not at all. And yeah. and I, 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 I couldn't be more opposed to people thinking that's soft. It's actually, to me, yeah. a, a position of strength because you're Absolutely. willing to trust people. You're willing to look them in the eye. You're willing to course correct. But going yeah. back to your wife's analogy, which I think is a very good one, sometimes you do have to remove weeds from the garden. And yeah. and. A servant will do that. A servant will tend that garden, like you said, provide all everything those plants need to grow. But that includes making tough decisions about which plants need to go um, right. and how big we're going to make the garden and all of those things. So I think it's a it's a perfect analogy. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So let's 
let's try um, to take uh, something that you have. I have seen you say a few times okay. on Twitter, and, and that's the uh, people process technology. And, and what I'd like for you to do is tie something associated with the digital transformation to people, process, and technology in that order. Does that make sense from a question standpoint? Yeah, I'll probably get it wrong, but yeah, I can take a whack at it. <laughs> All right, all right. You know, from a, from a, people, uh, a people perspective, uh, you know, when it comes to digital transformation, making sure that you have the right skills and that you have a, you know, an environment of trust. From a process perspective, you know, it, to me, it's all around the right amount of process, the, the right process that are there to accomplish the right things. People hear that word and they're like, oh, God, that sounds like red tape. That sounds like a whole bunch of spreadsheets and, and PowerPoint presentations and, and a lot of one on ones. Going back to your point about one on one meetings, how, how do I make the best use of process? How am I the most efficient and effective with those processes? In other words, right. I, you know, whether it's a meeting, whether it's a report, whether it's a you know, literally a business process or anything like yeah. that, how do I maximize efficiency and effectiveness? And then lastly, technology, how am I, you know, taking a look at emerging technologies, calling my technical debt out so that I do have more resource and that I am able to take advantage of, of newer technologies, keeping my finger on that pulse. And there's, it's nearly impossible to do if you're constantly fighting fires against technology debt, duplicative systems, your legacy isn't in order, or just even the fundamentals to the organization. We'll take things like email or, you know, your ERP. If, if literally that's taking 80, 90% of your kit low, you keep the lights on, yep. you're never, ever going to have the ability to capture emerging technologies, whether it's the buzzword du jour, you know, blockchain, edge computing, you know, yep. hybrid yep. cloud, whatever it is. You have got to free up mind share and, and time share yeah. to take advantage of those things. So yeah. uh, those are really kind of the three that I would aim at. No, and I think those are great. And you know, I'll just um, add a quick note to the last one, um, the technical debt thing. And it, yeah. it reminds me um, of uh, you know, the strategy of the typical credit card, right? You've got a, a, a $30,000 debt on your credit card with 14 or 21% interest. And they're asking you to pay, you know, $200 a month or $250 a month. And lo and behold, four years later, you've still got a $30,000 debt on your credit card. <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, that's very much technical debt. And, and your points, I believe, are hugely important in the ability to, to say, look, guys, we may have to accept some pain in the near term. Uh, and have a lower standard of service or discontinue some systems, even though some people are using them or some combination of the above. But if we don't step away from this noise, we're never going to get to the other side. That's exactly right. right. Oh, you yeah. nailed it. No, yeah. you nailed it, Mark. Yeah. And, and, but that's where a lot of that credibility that you and I talked about at the beginning of the show comes into place. If, if yeah. the organization knows that you're there for the betterment of the company and that you're there to fundamentally change things, transform but they know that you have the company's best interests in mind and you've proven you've proven that through execution, like a sports yep. team, winning cures all ills. Nobody really yep. cares. I mean, That's if right. you're winning, as long as you're following the rules, nobody yep. really cares too much about how you're doing it. Right. Um, I think the same thing with the CIO. If you're winning and by winning you're delivering, 
believe me, they're going to, you're, you're going to have that credibility to say, well, Jay, you know, I, I really, I really, really like word perfect five, five for DOS. And I, 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 but I trust you that word might be a better way to go. That's right. That's right. God, it's a blast from the yep. past, isn't it? Yeah. It shows yeah, my yeah. age. Sorry. It sure is. No, that's all right. That's all right. I, I mean, I, I, I can still remember using freelance, uh, yeah. uh Lotus, Lotus and Omnipro to try there to make one go. document. Yep. So no worries. I'm an old dude. <laughs> all right. Well, Jay, um, uh, thank you very much. This has been entertaining uh, for me. Hopefully it was entertaining and informative for um, uh, the audience. Um, this is the first time you and I have had a chance to have a talk that wasn't over Twitter um, in a long time. And I appreciate that. Hopefully we get a chance to catch up in person at some point. Um, but uh, really appreciate you taking the time to, to be on the podcast with me today. Thank you. Oh, you got it, Mark. It was absolutely my pleasure. And, and as with Twitter, every time you and I chat, it's always entertaining, and I, I end up smarter than when I joined, which, you know, the bar's pretty low for me to start with, so don't, take, <laughs> don't let that go to your head. But, uh, no, I had a blast, man. I well, look forward to next time. No, I appreciate that. Thank you very much, and same here, same here. All right, so, folks, uh, join us next time. Uh, we're going to have a surprise guest next time. Uh, uh, really excited about him joining the show. Um, uh, lastly, if you'd like to nominate a guest for our podcast, email us at podcast at idc-a.org. Uh, thank you to Jay, and thanks for listening, and uh, see you next time.